Today is September 8th, 2022, and uh, allow me to welcome you to our weekly podcast, or as weekly as we can make it. It's the Chapter 49 podcast. We welcome you. Glad that you chose to join us today. Whether you're watching us on video or listening to the audio podcast, either way, we appreciate the fact that you've taken a little bit of your time to listen to what we have to say today. My name is Larry Lannon. I am a volunteer with Chapter 49 dealing with communications. Uh, we uh, Chapter 49 represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. Welcome to our chapter president, Duncan Giles, who has been on every single podcast we have ever produced. Welcome back. That's a scary thought, isn't it, Larry? We've both, both been here. We've both <laughs> been here for every podcast, and I just wonder, how do we do it? <laughs> it's well <laughs> Some over. Some people wonder why we do it, but that's a whole different discussion. And they still listen, and they still watch, and that is still a, a mystery to me, but we're glad to have them. And what we try to do here is talk about issues uh, that relate to people who uh, work for the Internal Revenue Service or people who work for the federal government, particularly IRS employees in the state of Indiana. But we have been surprised at the number of people who like to watch and listen outside the state of Indiana. So we like to take that into consideration as well. So always good to talk to you, Duncan, as, we, as fall has fallen and we are in the fall season now. We know it's fall because college football has already started, and we also, of course, have the NFL, which is starting literally on the day we record this. It's the Thursday night game that kicks off the NFL season. So with that, it's always the season to talk about major issues, and it's always this time of year that the pay raise issue begins to, to foment. And we've been talking about it for several months. We've spoken about it, about what the National Union has, has been pushing, a 5.1% average raise. Most of the proposals through Congress, 4.6%. Uh, the president has now officially stated he wants 4.6%. Is it a done deal, Duncan, or where are we on this whole pay raise issue? Well, as it is with our uh, with our government, it's not a done deal until the ink is dried on the signatures. Uh, right now, the way it's looking is the uh, both the House and the Senate have been basically silent on the pay raise, and the president, as been predicted, uh, has proposed a four point one percent pay raise with a half percent locality pay. So some people will get you know, a little bit more than 4.1. Some people in higher uh, areas where its cost of living is very high will get uh, a greater one. But yeah, overall, it looks like 4.6. National uh, NTU has been pushing very hard, and I urge everybody to reach out to your uh, congressperson or your senators. Uh, they've been asking for 4.1% with a 1% locality pay. So we're trying to get more money because we realize inflation is out there and we want to make sure that we're trying to get the most that we can to keep that at bay. But it's going to take all of our voices to even get that entertained. So there's still time to talk to your congressperson or your senator about this. You can go in on your own time and I'm not on government and computer to NTU. They have very easy emails that you can send. And those are counted. Those are looked at and those are listened to by the congressional offices. So I would urge everyone, 
who's watching or listening to do that and have your family do that just to get a shot at a uh, greater race. Right. So I think that the, what we need to keep in mind here, and I, what I think uh, we need to mention, it because a lot of people working at a place like IRS were very process-oriented. So what we are seeing now is the proposals in Congress, and the pre- president is recommending 4.6% with the 5.5% to locality, 4.1% general, and yet yeah, locality goes out depending upon on the cost of living, that's uh, not cost of not the cost of living, but the cost. Of, it's actually tied to the cost of labor. We've talked about this in the past, but it's uh, based on 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 your locality. Not and and mo- a lot of people geographically are in the rest of the U.S. They get a pretty low one. In Indiana, the Indianapolis metro area has a uh, different uh, locality, and the Chicago area, where our Merrillville office is located, has a different locality. But the rest are the rest of the U.S. for the most part. And uh, this varies all around the country depending on where you work. Where is your post of duty? And that's your that's what uh, determines your, your locality pay. So uh, right now, the Congress has not acted on the pay raise. And that's why we say it is not a done deal yet. As Duncan said, the ink isn't dry. The ink hasn't even been placed on the paper yet. So at this point, we do need to let you know that there's still time to let your elected officials know how you feel about this, and having your friends and family kick in is also a, a very good idea. So we wanted to start off with that. Pocketbook issues are obviously extremely important to everyone. But I want to talk also about something we've been discussing for several weeks, and two weeks ago we discussed this with our national president, Tony Reardon. And and there's still an awful lot of awful noise everywhere about the IRS budget and this Inflation Reduction Act, which is going to fund the IRS with extra money over the next 10 years. People are talking about what is this going to mean? I mean, Tony Reardon was clear, no, we're not going to have 87,000 gun-toting people aiming their guns at small business people and individuals. No, that's, that is not what the bill's going to do. It's mostly going to replace people planning on retiring in the next 10 years based on IRS projections. And we'll add some staff. Most of them will will just be uh, collection officers and people who do audits, individual all the way up to big corporations. And there will be an emphasis on the larger businesses in this. So the idea that the IRS is becoming this huge bloated bureaucracy it's just it just doesn't take into consideration the natural attrition and the projected attrition of IRS staff. So when you you continue to see this, and sadly, it's even some elected officials who are spouting some of this misinformation. Um, it does make you feel bad, but you just have to call it out when you see it and try to get the record straight. And I think that's exactly it, Larry, um, because I've had discussions with people and. You know, they that's they spout the line about the 86,000. I'm like, you couldn't be further from the truth. Most of it is going to be replacement hiring. It's going to take people a few years to get going. And these are people who are going after people who are not doing the right thing. If you're doing the right thing tax-wise, we want to have more people who are on the phones to help you. In taxpayer advocate to be able to assist you if the system has a hiccup or breaks down. You know, and go after those people who are not doing their taxes right or hiding income. 
or once they do owe and they can't or won't figure out a pay plan or something of that nature, that we have the people to go out and collect it so we can, A, get the fair share of taxes, and B, beat down the tax gap. But this this whole thing about, you know, the jackbooted agents and the gun toters and all that is just malarkey, uh, since I'll keep this a PG-rated uh, podcast, and I won't say what I want to say. Um, you're stealing, you're just, stealing a line from the president. You realize I, I know, I know. Um, that's, that's just the word that came to me at the time. It's, it's just absolutely asinine. And the people who are spouting this, the politicians who are spouting this absolutely know it's not true, but they're playing to the lowest base that they, they have. And it's just, um, I, I would say it's a shame, but it's not a shame. It's a tragedy and it's absolutely abysmally wrong. Yeah, and, and Tony Ridden made this point on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, that in the last 10, 20 years, IRS has lost 20% of its staff. And how can an organization, any organization this large, continue to function well with 20% less staff and not just the same workload, but a bigger workload with all these tax law changes and other burdens that uh, are put on the service. Service is not afraid to take on the burden. Just give us a, a fighting chance to have the budget to take care of it. I think that's all the service has ever asked for. So, again, uh, we just would encourage people, set the record straight if you hear something that just seems wrong. Uh, we are not being... I, I saw one public former elected official put on Twitter that the IRS will now become the largest bureaucracy in government. Well, that's true. If nobody ever quit or retired, well, yeah. guess what? People do quit, and they a lot of them are definitely going to retire just based on the IRS's own projections. So uh, we need to take all that into consideration. So we, we're hoping this tamps down, but we're in an election year, so you know these things are going to happen. We just have to set the record straight as best we can as people who work at the agency. And, of course, NTU as a union is going to continue to do that. I hope what we just talked about has not added to the mental stress that IRS employees are are feeling. You know, there's enough mental stress just doing this job, uh, dealing with a public that that is is frustrated. I mean, we've all been dealing with COVID for a couple of years and really just beginning to come out of that. And and sometimes there's a delayed um, impact when you've had all these stresses for a, almost a two-year period, or maybe more than a two-year period for some. I think, Duncan, you would like to remind people that there is help if you're feeling mental or emotional stress uh, as you try to do your job. Absolutely, Larry. Fans on to everything else. You know, if you're out there on the phones or taxpayer advocate or revenue officer, revenue agent in the service centers, wherever you are, you know, you're being asked to do more and more and more with less resources, as we've just talked about. And the Employee Assistance Program, EAP, is a great way to uh, get some counseling if you need help. You know, I'm a huge, huge believer, you know, in that you want to take care of not just your physical health, but your mental health as well. You know, um, my awesome daughter is a mental health professional. And she would highly recommend that, you know, if you have an issue, if you're feeling stressed, if you need somebody to talk to, do it. There's no shame in it. There's, you know, it's 
It's just like having a cut on your arm or something like that. You get that taken care of. This is something you need to get taken care of. So don't think that you have to absorb everything. Don't think that you have no outlet or there's nobody to talk to or there's nothing that can help for this. Reach out to the EAP program. They can set you up with counselors, get you started, um, you know, with a couple of free sessions. Then, you know, if you've got the uh, FEHP programs, many of those will pay uh, so that you can have a reduced rate for counseling sessions. And they truly can help you. And that's what I just want for everyone is to be, you know, like you said, the job's stressful enough. Anything we can do to alleviate that, we need to try and do. So remember, EAP is a program for you. And if you feel the need to use it, use it. I believe is it still four free sessions at the beginning. Is that the way it works? Yes. And then uh, you can check your health insurance if you need more. And uh, and that can help defray the bill if you wish to continue to see that, that professional again. So we've harped on this in the past. We say it again, a, a mental or emotional issue is just as impactful as if, as Duncan said, you cut your arm or you break your leg or you have a heart attack. People know that has to be treated. Well, guess what? Uh, mental health, emotional health issues also need to be treated. And if you don't treat it, it can get worse. So please uh, don't be afraid to use the tools that the uh, agency has allowed for you. Speaking of tools, there is a deadline coming up. You and I have talked for a long time about the child care subsidy. We talked to Tony Reardon about this a couple of weeks ago. You were a part of the bargaining team that negotiated that in the national agreement. But there's a, and we're recording this on the 8th of September. Uh, there is a deadline coming up. So talk about that. Yeah, we've got a very short deadline coming up, about a week, that you can apply to this program. So if you do qualify... If your you know total family income is below seventy thousand, uh, or in some cases eighty or even ninety thousand, you have child care that you're paying for outside of the home. Absolutely, look into this because this can get you money back in your pocket. They've finally got a vendor that's ready to take this on. They will be dealing directly with um, you know to get you reimbursements, and it's a great great program. We're hoping it's going to be run right, and so far the the initial songs are good. But we want to make sure that everybody knows it's out there. I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, man, I missed it. I could have used that money because we want you to be able to get that uh, that reimbursement. So please, if you think you may qualify, you know, by all means, go ahead and put in for this. This program's there for you. It's money set aside for you to help you through this. And uh, this, uh, again, I'm, you never know when people are going to watch or listen to a podcast. So hopefully, if you're eligible, you, you're watching or listening before the 14th of September. But another thing you have mentioned before is that this is retroactive to the first of the year. So hopefully you've kept receipts or you can get copies of them so that uh, once you have signed up, you can begin to get your reimbursements going back as, as far as the 1st of January 2022. Yeah, that was something NGU pushed very, very hard for, because this program was supposed to be starting uh, right as the time of the new contract is, around you know the first of October, and it didn't get started. It didn't get started, so you know we we pushed very hard and got it retroactive to the first of January. So absolutely, like you said, go back to your if you don't have it, go back to your child care provider, 
ask for copies of the receipts or something of that nature. Um, so you can get reimbursed for that. Well, and, and so, you know, just take, take note of that. If it's uh, something you can use, or if you know someone else in the service, uh, who might be eligible for this, it's mostly for, you know, uh, parents who are of low income or a single parent particularly could uh, take advantage of this. Let's move on. And with all this money, the IRS will soon be getting with the Inflation Reduction Act. There's a uh, there's a letter that was penned by a number of members of Congress. I can't remember how many, but several of them, basically saying, "Hey, IRS, you're not hiring customer service representatives fast enough. People still can't get through to you or get in to see you." So I think part of it is that the service is not getting as many applications as they had hoped. But uh, what Congress is saying is, you know, you've got to go out and recruit just like, you know, the private sector is and some other government agencies are doing. So uh, are you seeing any positive signs in that regard? Uh, I haven't strangled anybody yet. So I consider that a positive sign. Uh, one of the one of the problems, and I mentioned this at our bargaining table over a year ago, is the way that we hire uh, folks on our phone are, CSRs is as seasonals. They come in as seasonals, which I could understand 15, 20 years ago because the work was seasonal. Well, now this work is year round. You know, people are calling all year round. So we need to hire these folks as permanents to start with. I think that would greatly increase the number of applicants we're getting so that we could hire more people and have, you know, a better level of service than the abysmal level that we have now. But, you know, it, until then, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, we need to go back out. We, as you know, was pointed out to me, uh, you know, earlier this week, we used to go out to, you know, different expos, fairs, things of that nature, have booths, talking to people. It doesn't seem like we do that as much anymore. And that's partially because we don't have the people to do it as much anymore. It's, it's again, a contraction of the agency that hurts us in so many different ways. And so we've got to get back to these, you know, boots on the ground type of thing. We've got to get out, talk to people, meet people, get them interested, tell them why it's a good process aside from, you know, some of the people who are out there saying, don't, don't go into this. Don't go into the IRS. We're going to take care of them. I would disregard that at this point. It's it can be a very rewarding career, as you and I both know. And, you know, we just need to get more people on there. So we're we're not in disagreement at all with those folks from Congress who are pending the letter. We would love to hire more. And they are trying their best. But right now it's still an uphill battle. You know, I received at least one contact after I retired asking if I would like to come back to the service and be an instructor. And I had to politely say, no, <laughs> you know, my IRS career is over. Uh, but uh, I would think, for example, what you just talked about, why couldn't the service, if there aren't enough people to go to these expos and, and, and some of these places where we have had booths to, uh, to recruit people, why can't we get retirees to go in there and do that? You know, I think the service needs to think creatively about this. And, you know, we don't want to take people off their job to do this because we des desperately need them on their regular right. job. But on the other hand, there are probably some creative ways to do that. So I'm hoping that NTEU will urge and that the uh, IRS management will look at something like look creatively at trying to find ways to do the recruiting 
outreaches that, that I know the service did for years while I was there. Yeah, I, and, and to you national, and I can tell vouch for myself personally, have talked to the higher-ups in the IRS extensively about this type of thing and having to think outside the box to try and get more people to be competitive. Well, there's something else we talk about almost every podcast, or at least every few podcasts. We keep hoping that for people who are retiring, that this backlog at the Office of Personnel Management, OPM, they, they're they the final arbiter of your retirement. You get the retirement paperwork into your agency. They check it over. Then when they think it's in good shape, send it off to OPM, and OPM has to make the final determination on this. There's been a huge backlog at OPM. There was a pretty big backlog when I retired, but it looks nice compared to what it is today. And it's because OPM has had trouble recruiting and retaining employees as well, just like the IRS and other other government agencies. So they're doing the best they can with the people they have. But NTU just recently came out with a message of the last week, you know, warning these people who are retiring, hey, this backlog is not improving. So I think this goes back to something you have said on several of our podcasts. If you want to retire, fine, but you need to plan ahead and make sure you have enough money for that lower monthly payment you're going to get from your retirement until that final uh, retirement figure is verified by the OPM. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like you said, they're doing the best they can. This is not OPM dragging their feet at all. It's just trying to you know, suck thousands of gallons of water through a garden hose. It's, you know, it's just, you don't have the ability to do that. You can only take in so much. So they're trying, but until they get staffed up, until they're able to do things properly, um, we're going to have this because it is a very paper detailed uh, process. Unfortunately, still, it's not something that is, um, you know, really goes well with, technology, computers, things of that nature, there's still a lot that has to be checked via paper. So, you know, it's it's just a shame, but those numbers are not going down. They're not leaping up, but they're not going down like you would think this time of year they would before the end of the year crush. So if you are, like I've said before, if you are planning on retiring, get your paperwork in as soon as possible with the furthest out date that you're going to retire, let them have the time to do it. Otherwise, you know, as you said, Larry, they're going to be looking at very short checks for quite a long while. Yeah, and I had to plan ahead for that myself, so it it is something you need to consider. Uh, So, again, we say the same thing if you're retiring plan. I know a lot of people who are considering retirement watch or listen to this podcast. Something else we want to talk about, you know, we fortunately aren't having to talk about COVID as much. And when we started this podcast two and a half years ago, that was all we talked about for a long time. Lead story on every (laughs) podcast. Isn't it nice that we can put it kind of uh, later on in the podcast? But there is something that has come up lately that NTU has been working on. This Safer Workforce Group in the White House has come out with guidelines on what an agency must do when you have an outbreak of COVID in your local area. And what that guideline basically says is, number one, you you can make masks required in that workplace. And secondly, the mask has to be of a certain high quality, N95, and there's some others. I won't get into all that. But there's a certain minimum quality standard that must be used when you're in that workplace. 
when NTEU saw that, they went back to the Safer Workforce group and said, well, wait a minute, these can be very expensive and difficult to find. Um, how do you expect these employees to go out and get these masks? Don't you think the agencies should be responsible for the cost and acquisition of this? And to their credit, the Safer Workforce group agreed with NTEU and updated their standards. So I do we have any workplaces in Indiana where there is a mask requirement right now? Absolutely, we do, and it changes every week. Um, you know, and I get I get it from the post of duties which ones are which ones are going from low to medium or medium to high or high to medium, and it does change quite a bit. But there there are um, there are some, and I know for our folks who listen outside of Indiana. It goes, it runs the gamut. So the fact that NTU is is making sure that the agencies are doing things properly and saying, hey, look, you know, you want folks to wear masks, the Safer Workforce wants them to wear masks, you need to supply them in the workforce. Um, and I know our facilities folks have been doing pretty well, at least from what I've been able to see and tell, uh, on making sure they're on top of that. So if uh, you are working in a post of duty where there is a mask requirement, you should be asking the management how they're going to get the mask to you. Is that correct? Absolutely. One last thing uh, as far as items on the agenda to discuss in this, this, this podcast. And, man, this is, this is an annual ritual, is it not, Duncan? It's September. And what happens at the end of September? The fiscal year ends. So, of course, it's the job of the Congress and the President, mostly the Congress, to pass a budget for the coming fiscal year. I cannot remember in my federal career how many years that budget was done on time, but it's not very many. Usually there's a continuing resolution that just holds over the previous year's budget, which is essentially a cut when you have inflation like this particularly. And so government funding runs out at the end of this month. Congress is supposed to pass a continuing resolution. Uh, There's a lot of drama already starting with uh, getting that continuing resolution passed in the Senate and the House uh, for the president's signature. Nobody is forecasting a government shutdown at this point, and we hope that continues to be the case. But there is at least some uncertainty over this is there not there there absolutely is and there unfortunately there always seems to be uncertainty over this um you're absolutely right it would be so nice to say hey you know what we passed the budget bills we've done our work we've done what we're supposed to do and gotten it to the president well that hasn't happened like you said in quite a long time so at this point at the end of the month yep we run out of money now as you said it doesn't look like a shutdown. We've had other years, though, where it hasn't looked like a shutdown, and all of a sudden the train decides to go running off the tracks at about 100 miles an hour. We hope that calmer heads will prevail. Uh, this being an election year, I don't think it'd be very popular for anybody uh, if the government shut down uh, at all, much less any length of time. So we're hoping that they will pass a uh, continuing resolution. I know there's discussions already about it. Uh, some favorable, some not, as you pointed out. But we need to get this done, and we need to get it done fairly quickly because Congress is not going to be in session that much longer. 
And if you want uh, updates, you'll find them here on this podcast. We try to keep that weekly. Plus, we have a a Facebook page, uh, NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. If you have trouble finding it, uh, send an email to Duncan Giles, and he will be more than happy to give you a link as to how to get to that uh, Facebook page. We we do updates on that on a fairly regular, fairly regular basis. And that uh, email address is nteu49 at aol.com. You can also uh, get on a list where Duncan will uh, alert you when we have our video and audio podcast up and running, and you'll have a link to either one or both. Why you'd want to watch or why you'd want to go to both, I don't know. One or the other I think would be plenty. We'd like you to, to, to join us, but uh, I don't think you have to watch us and listen separately. I don't think that's necessary. With that in mind, uh, Duncan Giles, your final comment for this podcast. Yeah, I just, um, you know, I want everybody to be safe out there. With uh, the increased vitriol that's going on, you know, don't advertise where you work. It's a sad state of affairs when it has to come to that. But there are people out there who are just, you know, you see it every day in the news. They're attacking others for no apparent reason. Um, you know, you want to make sure that the two and yours are safe. So, you know, don't advertise where you work. Take your badge off when you're not uh, at work. So it's not apparent to anybody. It's, you know, set the record straight. Let people know information. But don't get confrontational. Don't get into fights. Just protect yourself. That's what, I don't want to see anybody hurt over this. Well, and I think uh, Tony Reardon talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, he he would like to see security just at the workplaces tightened up and uh, and make sure that people, when you walk into that federal building or IRS post to duty, whether it's rented space or a government building, that you have the proper security. And uh, make sure, as you said, employees follow safety protocols or there for a reason and we'd like to see them uh, improved. And, and there is a security review going on. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, every time there has been a security review, IRS pours over data that it doesn't always look at every day. And boom, you get changes because people begin to see that data right in their face. So that's a very good comment. Please be safe and take all the precautions that uh, Duncan just mentioned. And we are happy that you have joined us for this podcast. This is the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, my name is Larry Lannon again, and Duncan Giles, our chapter president, is is also with us for each podcast. We bring in a, a guest every now and then when, the, when we can. But right now, we are just happy that you have chosen to watch or listen to this podcast. I know we have fans on, on both different types of platforms. So Duncan and I have done this podcast for about two and a half years now, and we've had a lot of feedback. I, I gave you the email address earlier in the podcast, nteu49, chapter four, nte49 at aol.com, nteu49 at aol.com. If you have any comments or would like us to talk about any particular subject, let us know. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. Thank you.